1: Smoky LA, yeah, it's uh not looking hot out there. Oh, it's looking too hot. Out too there. hot, a little
0: too hot. I flew into Burbank and I got off the plane. My am first, first of all, they're really tired, and it then I got off the plane and it was like they make us walk the tarmac because it's like such a small airport, and it was like right. you just got
1: <laughs> everyone started
0: coughing, like the whole plane just filled with smoke. Ugh. So anyway, I'm glad to be back.
1: I'm glad since you've been back, the sky hasn't been as orange as it oh, was. Oh, I just take so, the color out of everything. That's exactly it. You make everything a little more blue. <laughs> it was a little blue yesterday. So, anyway, hi. Welcome to our uh, this show featuring our hair accessories today. That's I right. Wanted, I wanted to jump on the cool hair wagon. Yeah, uh,
0: I went to buy scrunchies and I came out with this cool headband and I walked in and Emma was. I've uh, never
1: seen that on like, I've never that worn style. a headband before. It's very seventies. I think. Ne- I don't. I don't know I the think generations. Maybe? I don't either. It feels 70s. I'm not from this country. Or 60s. Yeah
0: I uh I've never worn a headband before but. It suits you. I didn't wash my hair so I figured why not. It suits you. Thank you. Also
1: like weirdly pairs well with your eyeliner. I don't know what I'm talking Thank about. Thank But it all it all
0: uh, the puzzle. Uh, oh that's so uh, kind of you. Well I think you look your hair looks voluminous as hell
1: today. You know here's the thing I brought well, I didn't actually mean to do this uh, on camera, I brought a hat so I could like switch out. <laughs> That's not was that like, good for you. I'm too lazy, but it's too long. It's in my hair all the time, to- or in my eyes all the time now. So I needed something to yeah give well, me a little lift. Now we can see your nice, beautiful face. You can see my my weird forehead. Um, I hear you have things to catch me up on. Well,
0: okay, we have a couple things to talk about. First of all, we are finally this comes out. We're, we're recording this a little bit early, but we are finally caught up on close friends on Patreon. And I wanted to yeah. say that because I know how bad we've been about keeping up. But now Emma and I have in our calendar a weekly like update our close friends list from yes. Patreon. And so on Instagram, we're being much more uh,
1: intentional and avid about Dutiful. it. Beautiful People Dutiful. have also sent in some really nice suggestions of things we should do like, yeah. for content building on there. Same. I think so, I'm doing like a, what are, did you get any good ideas? I got TikTok Tuesday since I always talk oh. about TikTok. So I will. They want me to upload like my favorite TikToks on Close Friends. That's fun because I don't share that's my great, account. Because then you
0: can share what you're watching. Oh, yeah. that's fun. I'm gonna watch yeah. that. Um, <laughs> what I, did you get? I have been doing. Some people said like Wine Wednesdays or Geo updates, which Ooh. is like so easy to you do. You Should do Wine Wednesdays I'm, for like, sure. Home alone anyway with wine and Geo. Um, but another one was like house update or like house things, and so I was like, oh cool. That's so I got smart. to show like my. On its staircase or like, you know, things little things like that where um I'm like, I don't think to post those things, but since we talk about them on the show now, you can see since, them on Instagram. Since your
1: house is full of old estate uh <laughs> estate sale haunted dead items. People's you can have that one. I don't wanna <laughs> I'm not gonna copy you on that. I'm just one. gonna talk about <laughs> the ghosts in my house. I'll have TikTok and you can follow Christine for all the weird. I can just follow actual demons through my home.
0: <laughs> um okay, also sorry, yes. I have a couple things to mention here. Um, All very important. So, close friends updated. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, we're going to release for Patreon, um, A, 85 gift videos, because we finally (laughs) did that. (laughs) And B, um, we're going to release on Patreon um, the, what should we call it? Space Camp,
1: the movie. That's the only update I have. Space Camp. Oh, is it? Okay. I didn't know if we remembered. No. Who could forget (laughs) when you shoved that piece of content (laughs) down my throat yesterday? So, uh, yeah. So, we. We just to backtrack real quick. So, we have posted a lot more gift Mm. videos or gift opening videos just because we haven't been together long enough or things got in the way. We didn't like get the mail for a long time. We haven't been able to have all of the gifts. Since quarantine in one spot, it's like and we six finally, months worth. we got them all yesterday. Yeah, and it felt like we spent all day opening presents, which was like <laughs> which quite was a Christmas experience. <laughs> yeah. It was like our birthdays. One of light. them, by the way, my hands smell like maple syrup, and I think it's because <laughs> one person gave us a. Um, like a homesick candle, but it was the Canada one. Mm -hmm. So whoever you are, thank you. But I found out that they use real ingredients. That's right. Because I think on the way to the apartment for us to open them, it melted in the car a little bit. And when we opened it up, it was like this whole, like the smell of maple syrup took over the entire room. like someone room. mailed you a flapjack. And if you looked at it, maple syrup was like running around. it was candle. like guys
0: and like picked it up and there was like literal liquid maple syrup <laughs> in the sides of the glass. So that's how prominent that was. So
1: someone literally gave me a glass jar of maple syrup in, and wax. So I appreciate that you. That person gave me a lemon mug
0: and I used it this morning in the new oh apartment. Gosh. It's our first mug in the apartment. So it's very exciting. A so, lot of Oh excitement. my God.
1: I, arguably my favorite, which I know I probably shouldn't say, but it was hysterical and topical as we got our own corn husk dolls. That's right. From Jen. It was so perfect. So thank you to, to those you. are great. I think anyway, a photo of them online. Anyway, go on Patreon to watch the rest of that. Um, and the other thing that you just mentioned is uh, if you remember way back in, March. in the big- In March, literally like the day when uh, Seattle was canceled, Seattle was canceled and people started shutting down everything around the world because of COVID. And we were like, it can't be that bad. We were celebrating Eva's birthday that day. Uh So it was like the last real happiness we had before all of the world shut down. (laughs) And we threw Eva's uh, space camp party. Right. And we filmed the whole thing. And this whole time, Christine has been editing a video out of all of the footage we got that day because it was three people's phones for like 12 hours you'd like it was chaos you had like f- like 36 hours I of had, footage. like yeah like dozens of hours of footage um and somehow got it down to 40 minutes yeah it's now like a feature film but it is it, 40 minutes and a feature film it's like <laughs> the most insane it's like i took absinthe before i watched <laughs> an already crazy movie and
0: I'm kept like glancing over with their hands over their mouth and was, was like
1: you're psychotic a she, I no I think I said you're the most brilliant lunatic I've ever met. That's what had it is brilliant life.
0: lunatic and I actually wear that badge proudly now. It Thank was
1: you. a it was the weirdest, but exactly what I expected
0: <laughs> <product>. <laughs> There were like, um, I put like, I learned how to do like sports graphics just for this video.
1: Apparently you, you bought like six different like Barcelona sports packages yep. and editing. And, and
0: soccer and football and cricket. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing it's here. It's the
1: wildest thing I've ever seen. And if you would also like to see our experience uh, during space camp, you can also see yeah. on Patreon. And also
0: so. you'll meet Xenon, who's our friend that we haven't been we able have to, talk to talk about. We've wanted to talk about
1: Xenon for so long. That's with an X, by the way. <laughs> And two eyes with hearts. And an umlaut over the O. Um, (laughs) Xenon is
0: um, our friend. And she loves Frappuccinos. You'll see. She she wears
1: falsies. She wears
0: falsies. So sue her. Sue
1: sue her. Yeah, You don't know what we're talking about. But if you would like to... We barely know what we're talking about. If you'd like to, please go to Patreon and... uh, Oh, my God. Watch Space Camp, fall in love with Xenon as we did. Yes. And and then you'll know what the hell we're talking about.
0: Okay. I think that's the last thing. Um, The only other thing I wanted to say is... Oh, you
1: missed
0: me. I missed you. Yep. Okay. That's it. (laughs) No. Okay. Well, I missed you. I did miss you a lot, but, um, I wanted to also mention that, uh, this is, I'm just very excited for one of my friends. His name's Alex and he is basically the only reason I survived my job at Disney back in the day. Um, hi Alex. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't (laughs) think you haven't met him. It was sort of like pre you, Got it. And then when I. He let- was a filler before I got here. Yeah. He kind of, you kind of stepped in and pushed him off a cliff. Or I something. said, Hi,
1: Alex, your time's <laughs> up. My turn. <laughs> You're, <so
0: psycho. laughs> You're a brilliant lunatic. <laughs> um, anyway, so Alex has a podcast and he's had it for a while and they're approaching their 100th episode and it's called Camp Strange. And Ooh. I'm like, I'm finally getting back and caught up on my podcast and I'd been listening to it a while ago, but I'm listening again. They did like an, a really good Ed Gein episode and a, like recently. And they're approaching their hundredth episode. It's called Camp Strange, and it's very—it's like the same stuff we talk about, like ghosts and and spooky true crime stuff. Anyway, he's a good friend of mine, and. I feel like we recently reconnected a little bit. So I just wanted to give a shout out. Yeah. give it, And congrats. Cause I remember our hundredth episode was chaotic. It just sure. Was. Avoid
1: confetti. Cause that was a big problem. It was so chaotic that the people who live in your old house still have yeah. confetti stains on their floor. I'm for sure not getting my security deposit back. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so that's, that's my little update for the day. Um, I'm sure I'll have more <clears throat> in like two hours when we record the
1: next episode, but excellent <laughs> but
0: for now, let's talk about sure. Our let's actual talk about show. spooky
1: things um okay so (coughs) excuse me i know cute look i don't think it's cute i have a dairy complex i think and my (laughs) my throat is closing okay
0: and that's why we drink is sponsored by squarespace squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online with squarespace it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms you don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag and drop technology. It gets better every year and it is just you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, And in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category. And then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to Squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to Squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. so thrilled that we are working with fast growing trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure, you know, it'll work in your garden. Um, They have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac. and so. I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
1: So my first story, I had not heard of this. I'm very excited about it. Oh. Um, and oh, oh God. Trey Songs? Is that he he follows? Did you, you come here? to work with me? <laughs> Bring your neighbor to work day. Okay, okay. P.S. I slept
0: in the apartment last night. I was telling um <clears throat> for the first time by myself at like the And That's where I Drink apartment. And I uh We'd always slept in the living room, even though there is like literally a bedroom, but so two bedrooms. Yeah. So I dragged the <laughs> air mattress into the bedroom and like slept in there. And I was so freaked out because there were so many noises, you know, when you're in a new apartment. And it's, by the way, empty basically, it's just boxes. So there's like so much clanging and like pipes and the people upstairs. And, um, I had to put like our uh, armadillo doorstop that someone gave us in Texas like against the bedroom door in case someone broke in. Like that would stop them, I guess. I don't know. And um, <clears> anyway, so I feel like I
1: woke up every hour from like a clanging. So my nerves are fried. My favorite part of this weekend with uh, Christine is the fact that she stopped by my apartment and asked if she could borrow the company card <laughs> oh, God. because she needed snacks at the apartment. And so then like two hours later, I go to the apartment oh, no. expecting like Some snacks on the counter, and and instead I found a Keurig, a Mm -hmm. bed frame, and a 40 inch TV.
0: (laughs) Well, they were all business (laughs) expenses. And then we're sitting there and the, I like walked to the door and I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, nothing. And I you're like, it oh, I also
1: got some Oreos.
0: And they were just like boxes from Amazon. And I was like, oh, I ordered a <laughs> what? The
1: fuck? Give me that fucking Listen, card if back. if I'm going
0: to be living in this place, I need <coughs> coffee. Someone already mailed me a lemon mug. You're right. You're, mm-hmm. right. you're right. And I've been sleeping on an air mattress and I'm almost 30. I'm too old for this. My back <laughs> fucking hurts. I needed to order a mattress on Amazon. So, so sue me. I understand. It was very funny though, where I was like,
1: didn't you want a snack? You literally walked in there were like
0: <laughs> one box of goldfish and then like a television.
1: <laughs> and I walked in, there was like a couch set up. There was a whole fucking television. Okay. Anyway, back to sorry, the story. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. No, you're good. So this is, uh, this is apparently America's first documented ghost. What? I feel like I've covered a topic somewhat like this at some point. I, I must've covered like an America's first ghost, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. It seems like you would have. Apparently not this time. Not in this way. Okay. So uh, this is the story of Nellie Butler. Nellie Butler. I don't think I know that name. I feel like the name Nellie should come back. It's a
0: cute name. I I have a cousin named Nellie. That's fun. A step cousin. Yeah. And she's she's like very cute. She like embodies
1: that name. Nellie. I don't think I've ever met anyone named Nellie. I have a cousin named Melly, Like Melanie. Huh. I mean we I'm maybe I guarantee your friends don't call her Melly but growing up that's what we called her. Yeah,
0: I think Nellie, my step cousin, that's like her full name, I think. Hmm. Anyway, I, I know an
1: Ellie. Okay, let's stop. That's, we're just we're coming hey, up with rhymes now. I know a Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost there. Um okay, so this is the first ever documented ghost in America. This was in Franklin, Maine, and Nellie Butler, uh her parents were David and Joanna Hooper. Um, and this was in the late 18th century. Okay. So, so there were no ghosts before then. Apparently not. <laughs> there <That's> were <what laughs> no ghosts I don't understand. Maybe... <laughs> So, okay, that's a fantastic point. It's because not like anyone lived in this country before, you know, As American, someone who was an Ameri- investigator in Virginia, I've spoken to a lot of ghosts from the 1600s. So you're on to something. So you're
0: about to do like an expose on this. <laughs> Wait a on minute. On this
1: BS. Calling you out Nelly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, this is, I. it says the first documented. So maybe this is just the first one that was written up in papers or I mean, something. We're the
0: first podcast, like ever. So I guess. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. I get her point. You. You know what? That was the most sane thing you've ever said. Thank you. I'm a brilliant lunatic. (laughs) So Nellie Butler's dad, uh, David, he fought in the American Revolutionary War. um, And then afterwards, he started a business with his wife. um, And they had nine children in nine years. Holy shit. Ouch! It's like competing with the Duggars. (laughs) This is actually the first documented Duggar case. I forgot. The first Duggar family. And uh, in 1776, Nellie was born um she was the second oldest daughter apparently so in uh 19, in 1795 when Nellie was 19 she met George Butler who was a sea captain um his father's name was Moses and we're gonna get back to him in a little bit okay um also never met anyone named Moses me neither um I just maybe haven't met a lot of people um <laughs>
0: we're pretty uh, antisocial so <laughs> that might be the problem
1: so uh, the butlers were one of the first English settlers in the area. Um, Nellie and George ended up getting married and they lived in Franklin. Um, they got pregnant and Nellie had a baby. And unfortunately her and the baby both died <gasps> during childbirth. No. Um, so she is buried uh, in the same area in an unmarked grave. And uh, in 1785, uh, so this is a little backstory to someone else. So in 17. 17- 95, Nellie was 19, mm-hmm. married George, blah, blah, blah. 10 years before that, there was another girl named Lydia. Okay. Um, also a nice name. Also a nice, Lydia Chlamydia. That's right. That's uh,
0: like, why is that so familiar?
1: And, You've uh, met a Lydia. <clears throat> so Lydia was born, and this is where their stories merge. So when Lydia was 15, she had a, a disease that they did not actually outrightly name, so she was sick. Um, And she was dying. She was laying in bed and she had her first encounter with Nellie who had died two years before. (gasps) Oh, shit. So like on her deathbed, she sees the ghost of Nellie. She's She's like, hey, me too. hey, girl. Hey, what's up? We're closer than ever. Veil wise. Um, (laughs) Veil wise. So while in bed, Lydia was hearing knocking from the cellar. She told her family about it, but they couldn't hear anything. Um, the family went to investigate, but they didn't see anything. And so eventually Lydia's dad, Abner, I'm going to say not a cute name. Abner. I just think of little Abner, like the from I, Hey Arnold's the little pig. I was like,
0: isn't that a pig? <laughs> I was going to say from a classic novel, but no, like literally from Hey Arnold. <clears throat>
1: Is it from Charlotte's Web? Is that the pig also? Maybe. Listen, last time I read I Charlotte's know. Web, I was a child. Um, you don't read it every weekend like I maybe do? Maybe Abner's just the name of all pigs. Is that true? Oh, it could be. Could be. Um... Okay, so she heard knocking, her family didn't believe her, the family didn't see anything in the basement, so Abner, Lydia's dad, uh, <clears throat> made the family pray to make sure that the sounds were not coming from hell. <laughs> it's oh, like, that's nice. Let's pray that they're from heaven <laughs> okay. or a prank. And uh, basically, a few days later, the whole family started hearing the knocking, and they also started hearing the voice of a woman. Okay. Okay. And apparently, the first thing that they all heard together was, "I'm the dead wife of Captain George Butler, born Nellie Hooper." So, like,
0: very wow, very eloquent, detailed, yeah, very very well spoken. I officially know everything I need. Also, love that before the name, we we learn her 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 standing as wife of blank.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I also appreciate that. if they were to use a Ouija board, those are like two of the first things I would have wanted to know. Forever though.
0: Yeah. I am like, it would take forever. (laughs) We would be way too impatient. We'd get like
1: four letters in and go, that means nothing. Maybe she sensed they'd be impatient. and was like, I'm just going to tell you now. I'm just going to yell it from the cellar. So the family found uh, nothing in the cellar again, but they kept hearing the woman's voice throughout the month. And eventually they started seeing the figure of a woman wearing a white dress. And she was always in the cellar and in the nearby field. So was just okay. where they always found the dead wife of Captain George Butler. Great. Born Nellie Hooper. Right. <laughs> um, two months later, uh, she began to talk to them directly, like would approach them herself <gasps> oh, from no. the cellar or the field and speak to them that way. Oh, no. Um, she said, again, she was Nellie Butler and she'd been dead for a few years. Great introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that she was going to their house because remember these are it's like a totally random family. Like, why are they dealing with? Oh, Nelly so this Huber? wasn't even her house. Mm, no. Oh,
0: I thought they would like moved into her old house or something. No, it was she like Nellie and up. George
1: got married, and then Nellie died, Oh. and then elsewhere, like in a couple towns over, Lydia's. She's sick. like, I, I guess I like this field and this <laughs> basement. <laughs> it's a sharp field. Okay. Um. but Yeah. So I guess at some point they were like, why did you pick us to? Never leave. And, <laughs> How nice of you. Uh, Nelly. basically said, well, I know that Lydia and George have been dating. <gasps> what a little petty yeah, petty she, petty she's really just calling them out to be fair that's what i do if i died, i know it is i know it precisely <laughs> if that I, it's I died and do. then allison started dating someone i'd definitely go knock on that guy's door and be like um what's up she's like <laughs> she's what like, are you doing i know it's like oh look now i'm gonna haunt you You think forever. i don't see you yeah yeah i'd be like i'm i know too well what's i'm happening. watching you
0: from the cellar
1: I'm in your cellar permanently, so don't think you're gonna and get I'm away with this. And I'm the wife of.
0: Now it makes a lot of sense <laughs> why she's like. By the way, I'm oh, the wife of blank.
1: That makes so much George. sense. it's Like you'll know exactly who I am before I even say my yep. name. Oh my god! So uh, here's the creepy part. Lydia was 15. George was 29. Uh oh. Even back then, apparently that was odd. Um, even back then, you know how like some like the age gap did yeah, like matter like it I'm does 29. today. Can
0: you imagine if I was dating a fucking 15? a sophomore First of in all, high school? I would that sounds like your sister literal hell yeah but that's like literally my <laughs> sister's age
1: yeah oh boy okay um so basically she said i found out that you're interested in each other or talking to each other or i think the early signs of courtship were there okay um again duggers mm, 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 mm. anyway i can shove them in a conversation i will yeah i know um for you i do feel bad for you sometimes that you're we're friends um, I also feel bad for myself. I don't feel bad enough to do anything about <laughs> to it. <but> change it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm talking and I'm like, I feel bad for what's happening right now, but it's not going to stop. I mean, I show up with literal televisions after I told <laughs> Jimmy to buy Oreos, so I think, like, <laughs> we're even. I'm going to call it even from the time I literally showed up at your doorstep and said, I need $500 in cash. That's true. And you just
0: gave it to I me. I had friends over too. And I was, <laughs> I, was, I was like, you had a party I wasn't invited to. It wasn't a party. <laughs> I had three Nickelodeon coworkers because we had homework to do. And so we were watching- It looked a
1: lot like a party. We, we were, were watching having, Jaws. We so were and having too much fun with your homework.
0: I was having so much fun that I walked outside and gave you $500. That's <laughs> how much fun my party was. Uh, anyway- <laughs> Where do I get $500? Okay, that's besides the point. Anyway, let's
1: go. You're uh, my best friend. There, there's
0: nobody. I better be at this point. There's
1: nobody else I'm I can. I'm trying really hard. I hope you feel safe in our relationship that you're the only person I thought to go to. You drove from like fucking Pasadena. Pasadena to my
0: house for five hundred dollars and i was like okay Um, i was like you want to
1: watch jaws you were like no i don't i was like well you gave me five hundred dollars so i should stick around i'm gonna leave (laughs) (laughs) okay oh my gosh okay so yeah they're dating and there's an age gap and abner lydia's dad is not happy about it either um and basically Nellie lectured lydia and the family (laughs) Um, on, quote, the reality of the afterlife and then complained that when she revealed herself to the family originally, I guess Lydia has a brother, she revealed herself to Lydia's brother. And he apparently was very rude by not speaking to her. What a little jerk. So he she like held this grudge that she a ghost approached someone and then that guy was probably freaked out and didn't talk to her. And, and now like, she's I'm just gonna close upset, my eyes. Right. Which makes me think how many ghosts have I pissed off because I didn't interact probably with them a lot. when I was just scared. They're like, They talk to
0: everybody else on this planet and they're not (laughs) going to talk to me.
1: That's why Um, they launch your
0: Starbucks off the counter.
1: Well, so I guess for a while she didn't, there was a gap from when she was originally showing up and then she was gone for like a month and then she came back and started talking to people. So like, remember she was just doing the knocking right? and then eventually she started talking. That gap was because she was insulted that, (laughs) God, the brother didn't she really reach out. is uh, a lot, and then she came back swinging. She started opening her mouth and chatting. <laughs> okay, um, so Nellie said that she had greater plans that would require the belief of more people. So let's remember that. Okay, and Nellie spoke to Abner, where uh, even Abner said that her voice uh, flitted around the cellar from corner to corner. Um, Nellie wanted to encourage George and Lydia's relationship. Like, came really? back from, it's the exact opposite of what I would do if Allison were dating someone. Yeah. Um. She wanted to encourage George and Lydia's relationship and ordered Abner, Lydia's dad, that it must happen and it was their, quote, divine mission.
0: Whoa. Um, okay, this is becoming troubling very quickly.
1: Then she said, quote, what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder.
0: Yeah, which is like what you say in a wedding
1: Asunder, asunder, yeah.
0: That word's gonna
1: be at my wedding.
0: No, no. Why would no? You're not getting <laughs> married in the Catholic Church, are
1: you? <laughs> uh, maybe I want to spice things up. Okay, so uh, now it's eighteen hundred, um, and Nellie is still in their cellar, demanding that Lydia and George take their relationship more seriously. What? Um, That's so creepy. And she she said that they need to visit George's father. This gets real desperate, housewives, y real quick because you have to remember a lot of people and none of them are directly related to each other. Okay. So, like, she wants to go to her ex father in law's got it house with her husband's new girlfriend and her father. So, like, keep George himself out of the picture, and this everyone is else is going to go to the sure guy's dad. you as
0: a ghost. You're like, okay, let's see what I can <laughs> conjure up here. Let's see what drama I can watch and create.
1: That's exactly it. So, uh, they, she said uh because i guess abner because he was so hesitant about allowing lydia and george to continue talking to each other Nellie was like well let's go to george's dad and see what he has to say and you guys can like negotiate and so they go to george's father's house and then she says that the two need to get married and then set a verse from mark 10 okay um which interestingly is the section titled divorced oh um the section the the one section in Mark 10 is titled Divorce, and it's uh where Jesus says that the two people that marry, the two will become one flesh and Don't all that. Asunder it. Asunder, a word I just learned today. <laughs> um therefore, what God joined together, let no one separate, and anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. That was the quote. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so in a way, you're like, your husband is cheating on you because he's marrying another woman she died oh right and
0: if you're a widower you have to remarry in the bible i'm pretty sure Mm. if you are divorced or you can't get divorced is basically the idea don't do it because then you're a big cheating bastard
1: fascinating isn't it wild yes i kind of just want to read the the bible and like treat it like like an an action packed. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like certain parts. Yeah. But then I guess okay, just real Mark dry. 10, just the, no, no, just no, also revelations. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. We'll do a little Bible study. We just, just jaw like the whole pages. time. <laughs> so, uh, Abner and Lydia left to go deliver this message of this part from Mark 10. Um, they were there during a snowstorm, and they like crossed a river that was frozen. It was a very dangerous travel. Um, and while they were getting to George's dad's house, Lydia began to think about marriage and realized that she wasn't, like, actually that interested in George and, like, didn't <gasps> want to totally marry him. She's like, I thought it was fun when no one, when it was secret and no one wanted me to do it. When I wasn't peer pressured by his dead wife's ghost. <laughs> um, and so apparently Nellie could sense her doubts and appeared to Lydia and oh then, God. like, apparently made the travel a lot easier for them to get there. <gasps> like, to be like, no, no, no. like Cleared I'll, the road. Yeah, like, tried to, like, help it be less taxing of a, of a journey. What? Like helped like push the cart and everything. So it moved faster. And so it's a weird ghost. Nellie's very Nelly dead set on this. Dead down. set. Um. So Abner and Lydia eventually got to Moses, George's dad's house, mm-hmm. Um. who was also against the marriage. So Abner and Moses were like, no, neither of us want our children to get married. Um. But Abner said that this was Nellie's like last request from beyond the grave. And, even though Moses said, uh, like he wasn't interested, he did wonder, like, why would this random couple, why, why would this like daughter that I haven't even met yet and her father show up in like the worst weather conditions and like, requ- like make this like wild claim unless they were serious. Or, my thought would have been cuckoo. like, yeah, my thought would have been like, they're wackadoos. Yeah, wackadoo indeed. Um, <clears throat> so. That being said, he like it kind of opened him up to like, okay, maybe oh boy, we should take people this seriously. Are way too
0: easily convinced.
1: They also decide that to like kill two birds with one stone. They're like, while we're in this town, let's also go to David Hooper's, Nellie's dad. Oh, and uh, they're like, let's just go to everyone's fucking dad and what? like get a bunch of promotion. Weird road trip. Um, so they decided that they were going to invite George. They're like, look, we already talked to your dad. You're also welcome Join to. Us. <laughs> Basically, they were like inviting everyone to come to their house and see Nellie for themselves and be like, okay, if you come here, Nellie will definitely show up. She won't shut up in our house. Like, she'll definitely be there if you want to go talk to her. So, they invited George's dad, George. They also invited David Hooper, who mm-hmm. was Nellie's dad. Um, so, they invite everyone over, and then David, who's Nellie's dad, Lydia, who's Nelly's ex's ex. And Abner, who's Nellie's ex's ex's dad, <laughs> they all get okay. in the cellar together. Okay. They start talking to Nellie. And uh, basically, Nellie's dad was convinced immediately this was his daughter that he was talking to. Oh, really? Well, okay. um, this is a quote from Nellie's dad. By the request of the Spectre sent by two messengers, I went to Abner Blydell's house and by converse... And by conversing with he obtained such clear and irresistible tokens of her being the spirit of my own daughter as gave me no less satisfaction than admiration and delight. She gave a reason satisfactory to me, why she put me to the trouble of coming here, there instead of me coming to my own house. Um, And then George showed up later that night and said, uh, when I was called to talk to this voice, I asked, who are you? And it answered, I was once your wife. Oh, well, Uh, I like how it was so like, if Allison were like, "Who are you?" I'd be like, "It's me." What,
0: the what fuck are you talking kind of about? Question
1: is that you better know. You're wasting my energy with that question. Yeah, <laughs> I was once. Okay, that's not how that would go. Um, mm-hmm. The vo- and then George keeps saying the voice asked me, "Do you remember what I told you when I was alive?" I answered, "I do not really know what you mean." The voice said, "Do you remember I told you I did not think I should live long with you? I told you that if you were to leave me, I should never wish to change my condition. But that if I was to leave you, I could not blame you if you did." One. Why? Why? First of all, what a... That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. And also it doesn't sound... I don't think I would have... If I understood what was going on, I don't think I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> so is it bad news? Is that what we're hearing? It sounds like she just always knew she wasn't going to live long yeah. or she wasn't going to be with him for very long. George keeps saying, this passed between me and my first wife while she was alive and there was no living person within hearing. and But she and myself, and I'm sure that this... I'm, it's very long basically he's saying that was a conversation so they she did would have, have only known that yes if she were actually her. they were the only two people in the room when they had that conversation when she was alive so f- for this voice to be saying it uh-huh so I'm he's developing
0: a, a theory here but anyway
1: i'm thinking it's jeff the talking mongoose this whole goddamn time <laughs> <laughs> and also i'm so proud he, he would he would show up and be like i'm bored <laughs> what can i do <laughs> i uh I'm so primed at this point that every time I read a ghost story, I'm like, when does Harry Price get here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I need
0: him to like do some experiments. offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK.
1: George uh, saw Nellie's apparition and George's hand actually passed through her. Mm. So that's a whole other (coughs) random person believing. Okay. Nellie's dad went to George's dad. Oh my God. This is so fucking confusing to confirm that Nellie spoke to him. And uh, basically George's dad agreed like, okay, like I've seen her. I'm convinced that like you really got this request from her. I'm convinced that she sent you to us if she really means it and has this divine mission that I don't really understand, but she brought you into my life, then yes, I think I our children should blessing. get married. Yeah. So I think that this is my eye. son and your mm-hmm. daughter should get together. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, <clears throat> so that being said, he gave his blessing, Abner, Lydia's dad gave his blessing. And so even though neither of them were thrilled, <laughs> they set a date and with the news of the marriage, plus the sightings of Abner and Lydia always hanging out with George's family and gossip about a ghost at their house, um, the tea was hot. Yeah, sounds the, like it. As the folks would say. Yeah, the, youths. the youth. Um, and so these were some of the theories going on, or these were some of the questions that people in town were asking. They were asking, was this one big ruse by Lydia just to get with George? um but then again Lydia was saying she wasn't really like okay but I
0: think I have a theory about that what's your theory my theory is that Lydia was doing pulling this off and then when it got too far she was like okay never mind I'm Uh changing my mind or she's 15 and was like okay never mind I actually changed my mind (laughs) she's like I'm 15 (laughs) by then her parents were like oh no this is real and she's like shit I'm too far deep in this okay or it was the guy the creepy 30 year old yeah who was like no my dead it's wife definitely wants my this my wife she it's her dying wish she never would have known that you know yeah I, it's i bet you it's one of these so creepers.
1: okay so those two theories valid theories well, thanks um some people also thought maybe this was witchcraft from lydia they thought oh, okay. like maybe she had conjured the spirit like hexed it somehow yeah um And they, but they said like, well, she was before Nellie got here. She was really sick and like, miraculously Mm. was fine now. So they thought maybe witchcraft was involved. We've heard so
0: many stories where teenage girls get bored and then start like throwing their voices and like tricking their families. But
1: people could see Lydia, like they could see like a woman that looked exactly like her in a white dress that you could like put your hand through. Okay. And later, I was going to bring this up later, but apparently many people confirmed that the way that they would see her is when you first walked into a room and she like or walked into the cellar and she was there. Apparently, she started out really tiny, like a borrower. Oh, my God. What? And then as time went on, she grew to life size. Maybe it's like a projector thing. Maybe in 1800 though were there projectors? I mean, probably not. I don't know. Maybe it was a mirror and the light. Maybe, or maybe she's just really small. Or maybe okay. she's a borrower. I get it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's one of those sponges you put in the water, oh, and it grows to a hundred times its size. Egg. Um, but yeah, so that was also weird. I was like, that's a new one. I've never yeah, heard that before. It's a little
0: fishy to me, but
1: so some people think it was one of your theories. Um, some people think it was witchcraft. Some people think Nellie's ghost is just Lydia's voice being thrown. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, oh, and one of them was, so Nellie's sister, Sally, didn't, like, at first believe that this ex- was true. Sure. Like, oh, my sister is haunting that space specifically. And so she even kind of spread around the theory that maybe it was supernatural, but it was a demon posing. it. <sighs> Um, yeah,
0: being like, I think this child should marry this grown adult.
1: Right. Well, a lot of people started saying, like, this: if it's real, it must be demonic. Yeah, like- and so that's why, apparently, later on, Nellie gets more and more religious whenever she talks. <laughs> and so people think that that was either the demon trying to prove to She's everyone. Like compensating like, Bingo. Ew. Or that it was it was actually nelly and she was like i'm not the work of a demon look i'll say a bunch of bible shit like Uh, like, but either way it got weirdly more religious as time went on um oh my god so sally Nellie's sister went to go visit the house it's interesting like every it's almost like a like a sideshow like you have to go to their house See, that's the
0: other thing that's fishy to me it's like the dad was like oh she explained why she couldn't come to our house yeah like
1: what? Why? And a lot of people, if you wanted to talk to her, you had to go to their house. So Sally, Nellie's sister, went to their house and to talk to her. And wait for her to grow
0: Wait a little f- peanut. Wait for her little
1: spongy sister to just <laughs> grow on up. Um, and Sally said she heard the sound of knocking and then, quote, Lydia spoke and a voice answered. The sound, which also sounds a little Harry Pricey of, like, you go into a seance room and, like, there's a mm-hmm. a routine here where someone knocks. I think knocks. he would have debunked
0: this. I think I so, I really too. do.
1: Um, a voice answered, and the sound of what brought fresh to my mind my sister's own voice in an instant uh, appeared, but I could not understand it at all. It was within the compass of my embrace, and it had been a creature which breathed, but uh, it would have breathed in my face. So she's hearing voices, but it, and it's close enough to her that she should have felt breath on her. I see. But she's not feeling breath on her. I passed through the room, which led to the cellar in a, uh, into another room, and there I was much surprised when I plainly understood by the same kind of voice still speaking in the cellar these words I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness from this time I cleared Lydia as the voice Bible verse well she said from this time uh, I cleared Lydia as the voice and accused it was the devil (gasps) because she was like Lydia was with me I should have felt breath on me and I didn't I could still hear the voice in the cellar it was not Lydia because Lydia was with me and so she assumed it was the devil She's like, there's only one answer. <laughs> it's the devil. At that point, I'd be like, thank God I'm not in the cellar with it. It's not it. you. Like, it's not Lydia. It's the devil. So uh, her sister went on uh, to say like, no, it was the devil and believed this until Sally herself died. Whoa. Um, she claimed that the voice sounded so much like Nelly that there's no way it could have been replicated by someone Ugh. unless it was a demon trying to trick someone. Because you know how there's a lot of stories where like the demon <clears throat> yeah. will sound like someone you love? Uh, do you think demons
0: can quote the Bible? I feel like they're like, allergic to it.
1: That's a good question. You know I, mean? I would also maybe if you're like powerful enough in like doing Ugh. it purely with the intent of manipulation.
0: Oh, you're like you know? Yeah, I get it. Maybe.
1: I don't know. I don't want to know. I'm happy not knowing. I wanna know. Somebody so, tell
0: demons get at <laughs> me.
1: So they basically this poor family, if Nelly's real or the devil is real, um, the family kept living in this house with Nellie talking to them every fucking day. Um, Apparently, she would wear a white dress wearing a cap sometimes um, and sometimes holding and cradling the body of her dead baby. (gasps) So it it goes from cute to not cute real quick. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. When was it cute? Just wearing a a little cap with a white dress. And then she's like holding a dead baby. So,
0: yeah, I listen. I wasn't really charmed by this creature so far but
1: so Nellie would usually appear in the form here it is no bigger than that of a toad and would over time grow (laughs) to normal height um she was weird apparently for a spirit she was very polite and she only ever stayed in the cellar because she didn't want to interrupt their daily living upstairs bullshit bullshit She's like
0: screaming from the cellar. Like, I don't want to bother you, but I'm going to keep talking until someone pays <laughs> attention to me. Then I'm going to push your wagon down
1: the street. It's like I'm not going to go upstairs and bother you, but I will bother you from down here until you Didn't come talk like, to me. did she like come
0: to the house with them, like to and like push the
1: wagon there? Yeah, apparently, she can leave. She was also in a field at one point. So, listen, I don't believe this chick for one second. Sometimes Nellie would get bored, and she was seen walking around town. Oh, let's but see, she there wouldn't you go. speak to anybody. People just saw her around town. Um, and a woman named Mary Gordon once visited the house to encounter Nellie. And she said, At first the apparition was a mere mass of light, and then grew into a personal form about as tall as myself. We stood in two ranks about four or five feet apart. And between these ranks, she grew into a person uh, or she slowly passed and repassed, um, so that any of us could have handled her. When she passed by me, her nearness was that of I can't understand old people talk. It's like also... It's so beautiful, but I don't get it. Uh, I, I certainly should have felt her, but I didn't. The glow of the apparition had a constant tremulous motion. Tremulous. Like shaking. So... They're seeing her. They should be able to feel her. They can't. So
0: I'm convinced now I have a new theory. I think this is like a, a distant cousin or someone who came to visit and they're trying the who family like is her. pulling this prank. Yeah. Or the mom is pulling it or that somebody who wants the kid to marry this weird dude and I is, guess so.
1: I mean it's you're there's no way of know. knowing if you're right or wrong, but like also, maybe like, they
0: had a light and they would shine it really strong and she would walk out of a curtain oh. or some shit. Like, I don't know. I'm like, this is this is a little too physical for my liking i I agree all these people are seeing this apparition i think it's phony
1: well so by so anyway it i don't know what to tell you man i don't either (laughs) so lydia was uh also routinely telling people if they got near her to fear not which sounds like something uh say. (laughs) if you're saying fear not you probably are hoping people are already afraid right um so, by the time Lydia and George actually got married, because even though she didn't really want to do it, she, like, stuck it out because obviously Nellie oh, was God. pressuring That's her. Oh, That's so fucked up. So, by the time of their wedding, news of Nellie had spread to other towns and people were coming to witness her. Mm-hmm. And so, they would go to the Blydell's house and talk for hours. So, it seems, again, like a paid attraction. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, Lydia wasn't looking forward to marrying George, and she actually had plans to run away before the marriage. a poor child. It's a literal child. Um, And the family, I guess they had family in New York, so she was like, or not New York, maybe, no, New York. Um, So she had family there, so she thought, okay, well, if I leave before the wedding, I can just go stay with them. Um, And basically Nellie confronted Lydia and said that you have to do this, or her afflictions would sail with her. Oh, creepy. That's pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, that's not good. So Lydia stayed and married George, and the next day, Nellie visited both of them as, like, a congratulatory... this is so gross. And basically, like, not even a a nice thing to say, showed up and went, oh, now that you're married, I should tell you, Lydia, that you're gonna die very soon. (gasps) What? Apparently, Lydia... She like gave this prophecy of like, just like me, you're gonna carry a baby so, full term and both you and the baby will die. What the actual fuck? And then she left, she like never talked to anyone for like 63 days, like over two months. She ghosted her, literally. She literally ghosted her. Um Oh my god, and this is so fucked up. After those like 60-something days, Nellie came back and the townspeople uh Still wanted to see Nellie. They were like, oh, well, now that she's back, we want, like, our turn at this, (sighs) basically, attraction. Apparently, over 100 people saw her at different times. Uh Uh-huh. And when they came to visit her, um, so the dad, Abner, would take them to the cellar, blow out a candle, and Nellie would knock, and then all of a sudden, like, it seems very routine. It seems very seance There's a panel in the wall. Walk through the panel, yeah. Once we've turned out the lights and, like, do a signal like a knock. A signal, right. So uh, apparently this is when she came back and she was super religious. Everything, every response had something to do with God. Um, She would say that she loved Christ. She would sing hymns. Um, She said, I am from above and come on God's message. Um, She apparently was, uh, she started also doing more prophecies and telling like Abner, Lydia's dad, went to him and said, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your dad is in heaven and Abner's like, no, he's not. And then found out a week ago he had died. Oh, no. So she was, like, correctly mm. prophesizing things. Mm. Um, and Abner, so that freaked Abner out. Uh, apparently on August 13th alone, Nellie got, like, f- almost 50 people to gather Um, because there was this guy in town named James who didn't believe that Nellie was real. And so she like assembled like a 50 person squad to go knock on his door and like, she like prove that she was real. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Wow. There's a lot of drama in this town. She like, she's got a lot, she's building up her own pettiness. Yes. Like she didn't even have that many things to worry about when she was alive.
0: I know she's like create, you're right. She's creating like a. Afterlife reality show for herself. <laughs> uh,
1: so basically, uh, once she appeared at the house, Nellie, like from this James guy, she got to his house with the group of 50 people and commanded them to march back to the farmhouse. They were just doing a protest, essentially, walking to James's house and coming back to her house. Um, So again, like 100 people marched with her from four different towns to prove that she existed. Throughout all of this strangeness, Lydia and George... Did get pregnant? Yeah, well, and childbirth was very difficult, and Lydia nor the baby survived. Just like uh, Nellie said, what happened? I'm just
0: like I'm honestly so. Just the most disturbing part is that there's this child who's like, I don't want to marry this grown man, and then she's pregnant. Like she's forced to marry this man, and now she's pregnant, and this then died, all and then
1: her and her baby were buried next to Nellie. I mean,
0: what is going on? Maybe it's this husband guy. I don't know. I don't trust him for a goddamn second.
1: Um. So. Also, if he's innocent, if I do feel bad, he has two wives and two babies all buried murdering to each
0: them. Other. I mean, what? I'm just trying to figure Maybe. out here.
1: There's no There's right or wrong answer at this point. Um,
0: I think they're all wrong answers because I don't like any of it.
1: <laughs> so George Butler went on to remarry a third time. Oh, God. to a woman named Mary, and she had four children. Um, and Nellie apparently only appeared one more time uh to a a guy named abraham cummings okay but abraham apparently said he was unimpressed with his experience with her (laughs) um (laughs) honest abe and so
0: (laughs) the reboot just wasn't as good
1: (laughs) um so when he returned later um abe he did have he was very intrigued and had collected all of these testimonies and then he published them in a collection of letters He was like, I wasn't impressed, but here's everyone who was impressed. Man. Um, And in 1806, he was alerted by two men that Nellie had been seen outside of his house. Uh Uh-oh. So she was like keeping tabs on him, apparently. But uh, this is what he wrote about the experience. Uh, Looking out towards the distance from the house, I saw there, as I accidentally looked in the same, or I saw there um, one of the white rocks. This confirmed my opinion of the specter. I paid no more attention to it three months after I accidentally looked in the same direction and the rock was gone. So Mm -hmm. like, whatever that doesn't, that does not convince me of anything. Mm -mm. Um, and then apparently he also did see, uh, a woman in a dress at one point appear in front of him. Um, he said that he'd heard her voice before. Um, she, he said that he'd gone out to see her one of the times when he caught her, but then she vanished before him still unimpressed. Apparently. Um, but he published all this in the 1826 pamphlet called Immortality Proved by Testimony of Sense.
0: Sure. In yeah. case you wanted to go Same.
1: read that classic. Mm-hmm. Um and that was really it. So people don't know if she was genuinely trying to give George happiness. No, if she was real.
0: She showed up and said, By or, the way, you're gonna die. Oops. Or if she tell was a
1: total ruse made up by someone. I think that But one. the last we or heard Or a demon. Or a demon. Or but the last time we heard of her at all was when Abraham Cummings wrote this like pamphlet of letters and he was like, I saw her a couple times, but she vanished and it wasn't really that special, but we never got answers. So fishy. Maybe if it was a ruse done by Lydia and then she died. True. But also how would she have predicted for herself that she and her baby were going to die before she was even pregnant? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe maybe she set no, maybe it was easy to assume you'd become pregnant if you were going to marry well, I someone, mean, yeah. and there was no birth control, and you're 15. You have no say in the matter. I'm right. sure, right? I guess she just assumed like, "Well, I'll probably be
0: pregnant soon." And maybe people twisted it, like, "No, she totally set, predicted it."
1: It's one of those like uh, quote unsolved mysteries because like yeah. I have no fucking clue what happened to her.
0: Like, who? Somebody's something's off. I can't tell who's. Also, there's lying. never
1: been any other ghost like Nellie where like anyone could just go see Nellie at any time talk to her face to face for hours about anything. Yeah that hasn't been debunked or that hasn't been like part of some spiritual It sounded like parlor tricks when you're like you have to blow out the candle and then you wait for everyone to be quiet (laughs) and then you knock on the door and then she talks to you.
0: And then weirdly one of the people in the room happens to be gone for some reason and then comes back (laughs) with a wig on. Yeah, And then Harry Price is there. And then Harry Price he should have been there I'm mad he wasn't. I'm mad
1: he wasn't, too, because he would have fixed that. Really? He flies to the mongoose, but he doesn't fly to the lady (laughs) in the dress in the field? This one at at least had some, like, quote, evidence to it. She's pushing wagons around. So anyway. I
0: think since people saw her in town and stuff that it was, like, somebody from out of town that had a very distinct look or something, and people were like, no, that's... I don't Any, know. I don't know.
1: But I'm sorry that was so long. But that's the story, the unfinished story of Nellie Butler. Wow. OK,
0: well, I mean, I'm just going to jump right into mine because mine is also long um, and it's uh, it's a lot. It's it's kind of like hopefully it's
1: not as dramatic. I feel bad that half my story was me trying to continually remind people how everyone was related to each other. No, that's literally it what the most my story is. And
0: oh, great. My, Two
1: family trees you get to learn. Today. My fear
0: was that this would be too convoluted like
1: oh great well i've clearly given you like yes. something to compete the with the second
0: you said that the first time i went well thank god I, it's not just me because i hope is, no
1: one started today with a headache and thought wow the new episode of <sighs> and that's why we drink is really going to solve all my problems if you thought
0: that we would get rid of your headache you have another thing <laughs> you uh, clearly, clearly don't understand here. this show yeah <laughs> um okay so this is the story of the Ketty cabin murders great keddy cabin yeah anybody sounds precious anybody
1: no, not me. Um,
0: okay. So this uh, takes place in Ketty, California, which is in Northern California. Um, so in 1980,
1: Sue Sharp, uh, who's a 36-year-old. So remember these names because there's just a lot of people. Look, we just had to go through like a round of Degrassi with my with my yeah, story. This so is we're, like
0: Degrassi plus all their um, extended Let me get my shoes family.
1: off. Let me get a little comfy. Oh,
0: boy. Okay. Okay. No fish flops today, huh? No fish
1: flops. No, no, no. This was a serious day. Thank God.
0: Okay. So Sue Sharp, she's a 36-year-old mother of five living in Connecticut, and she is stuck in an abusive marriage. She has five kids with her husband. The kids are Johnny, Sheila. So, okay, sorry. Johnny's 15. Sheila's 14. Tina, who's 12. Rick is 10, and Greg is five. So basically, uh, she has two daughters and three sons, five kids.
1: All 10 years apart. All Wait, about, like total, within, within 10, 10, years. 10
0: years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, with all 10 years apart. All 10 years apart. apart <laughs>
1: she's had one every decade. A feet.
0: <laughs> um, so she's in this marriage. It's unhealthy, unhappy. Um, so in 1980, she uh, takes her five kids and leaves her husband. She's in Connecticut. She travels all the way to Keddie, California, which is uh, her brother lives in nearby Quincy, which is um, in Northern California. It's a so Keddie is a small town um it's has a population of less than 100 people it's
1: Ooh. yeah
0: very small quaint cabin
1: Ugh. Listen, under other circumstances under this other, would be my new favorite under town under
0: extremely other circumstances i love
1: i love a quaint nature have cozy town have you not heard town. of this story no none of those 100 people have talked to me before no
0: really okay so anyway so she picks Caddy, california because her husband or her sorry her brother lives nearby in quincy and it's a very small town sense a community less than 100 people yada yada Um, She wants to start fresh, so she moves her five kids. They move in, and basically they immediately fit in. Like, they're making friends. The kids have friends. They play in all the different cabins. It's working out well. It's working out well, and they live in Cabin 28. Ooh. Cabin 28. So uh, this is in Plumas County, California, if anyone has any – grasp on where that is. Uh, me. me neither. So at the center of Ketty was Ketty Resort and it's these 33 rustic cabins that could be rented out long term. So like long term rentals. Um and it was about $170 a month. So she and the five kids rented cabin 28. And so they tended to keep to themselves um but the kids went to local school and had friends in the basically in the forest, like it's in the woods and there's all these cabins so they would run to each other's houses and play. Um, so here we go around 7am on the morning of Sunday, April 12th, 1981, 14 year old Sheila Sharp. So she's the oldest daughter was at a sleepover at her friend's cabin across the road, the Seabolt family. Okay. Meanwhile, 15 year old John, and he has a friend named Dana, um, who's another boy. He's 17 years old. And the two of them hitchhike to Quincy for a party and return that night. So Sheila, the oldest daughter, is at her friend's house. And and Johnny's gone. Johnny and Dana are at a party, and then they hitchhike uh, to the party and then home that night. Gotcha. So Sheila, the next morning, uh, finishes her sleepover, walks home, opens the door, and is met with a horrific sight. Uh, The cabin is full of bodies tied together, covered (gasps) in blood. She sees a hammer and a bent knife (gasps) and she just fucking runs. Good. Yeah. Good girl. She's like, I don't know if anyone's there. She's like, like, I I don't want to know. She said she didn't even know like register who was there or who was dead. She just fucking bolted. So she runs back to her friend, the Seabolt's house, her friend's house. She says, I remember dropping my stuff, running back next door, screaming, So the Seabolt's call the police and send their older son, Jamie, to the cabin to take a look. (laughs) They're like not even sure if this killer. Even
1: the parents themselves are like, eh, our oldest can go check it out. You go check.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And like, we're busy calling the sheriff. You go check. Yeah. Like, they don't even know if there's a murderer in the the house. Yeah. Yeah. So they send the oldest um, to check it out. And he goes over there, Jamie. And uh, he kind of creeps around quietly to get a look at what's going on. And he sees a back window and he glances in the back window and he notices that the younger boys are in their bedroom. They're in their beds fast asleep and they're alive.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, well, that's kind of good. Yeah.
0: So 10-year-old Rick and 5-year-old Greg. And then they had a friend over named Justin who's 12. They were all still alive and they were <sighs> sleeping.
1: Oh, my God. Can you imagine if you were Justin's parents? You're like, you're never going to sleep over again. Well,
0: Justin's parents come into this whole story. Oh no. But, but yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Cause you're like, yeah, my go to your friend's house for the night. And then it's like, well, this is what happened. That terrifies me How about my breakfast. own kids going to sleep. Seriously. I'm
1: like, oh my gosh, please, please don't let there be a mass murder happening. Yeah, I'm going to be that there. parent
0: who's like, I'm going to do a quick background check real quick. Um, oh my gosh. On everybody. Um, okay. So da-da-da. the kids are alive. So Jamie and Sheila, Sheila's the sister, open the window and help out the kids so they don't have to see what happened in the front of the house. They help kind of pull them out of the window. Sure. Pretty soon the sheriff arrives. And Sue Sharp's brother Don, so Sue's the mom, so her brother Don, who lives in Quincy, comes as well. So the sheriff and Don arrive, and Don has to identify the bodies. Yikes. So according to Sheila, it took her uncle Don a couple times to determine that it was definitely the bodies of 15-year-old Johnny his friend Dana, who had been together at that party, yeah. who's age 17, and his sister, the kid's mother, Sue, who had been murdered. So the three of them are the victims. Sue was found nude from the waist down, but so- showed no signs of sexual assault. Okay. Sheila's brother uh, and his friend Dana were found bound with electrical cord and wire, gagged, and had been brutally tortured for a long period of time. Oh, Fuck. So in the room, so in the room, it's covered in blood, literally floor walls and ceiling covered in blood. Um, The investigation team finds a bent steak knife, a bloody butcher knife and a claw hammer. And um, because of the marks of the blood, police believe the victims had been moved and rearranged after they were (sighs) murdered. So they had been like pulled together and tied up. Um, They noted the room hadn't been ransacked. Nothing had been stolen. So it seemed like. personal it was just an attack right rather than a burglary so again this is like a tiniest town there are fewer than 100 people in this town and like this lady and her five kids show up and within a year there's just like a brutal right multiple murder um in one of the cabins of like kids too so it's just like obviously rocks this town um after a few hours to kind of allow the survivors to like readjust um justin who's the friend that came for the sleepover. So Justin, his name is Justin smart and not to be confused with sharp, which is the family. Uh-huh. so that's why it's it a little confusing Two adjectives. Yeah. Um, yes. Two good adjectives. Yeah. Yeah. So Justin is taken for an interview by Sheriff Thomas, um, inside his patrol car in the interview. Justin remembers continuously saying to Sheriff Thomas, where's Tina Tina's missing.
1: Oh, no. I totally forgot for the other kids. So did everybody
0: else. Okay. <laughs> so apparently the sheriff did not acknowledge him on this statement. Great. Um, Tina Sharp was Sue's 12-year-old daughter right. and she had been at the Seabolt's watching movies with Sheila the night before and was go- wanted to stay over but Sheila and her friend told her it's just going to be a sleepover for the older girls so you have to leave and go home. Mm. So you know how kids are. Like, yeah. no, you can't hang out with us like yeah. the younger sibling. So... Tina wanted to hang out with her older sister and her older sister made her go home. And then her older then... sister walked home, saw this, and now her sister's missing. Right. So um, she had head, headed back to the cabin around 9.30 p.m. because her older sister was like, you can't play with us. Right. So it took Justin's mom, Marilyn Smart, to interrupt Sheriff Thomas to say, will you be quiet for a moment and listen to what this boy is telling you? He's telling you that Tina is missing for them to finally be like, oh, shit. So basically, so far, there are three murders, Sue Sharp, the mother, John Sharp, the son, and Dana Wingate, who's the friend of the son. Right. Then there's one child missing, the daughter, Tina Sharp. And the three boys who survived are Rick and Greg, the sons, and And Justin. Right. Right their friend and neighbor. And um, so now with the knowledge that Tina is missing also, the FBI are called to the scene. But now it's been several hours. They've lost like hours of time because nobody jumped on this fact that Tina was missing. Um, So the police collected evidence throughout the house, anything that might have a connection to the homicides, including the hammer, knife, um, the steak knife, the hammer said so that the hammer the knife and the bent steak knife um which they deduced had been bent in the torture
1: yeah I, I, that was assumed in my mind It really 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 doesn't yeah. feel good um and they noted
0: that the only thing missing from the house was a shoebox that tina had been using for a school project okay strange um so according to one of my fave websites all that's interesting The cabin's telephone had been left off the hook and all of the lights had been shut off and the drapes had all been closed. Hmm. The home didn't show any signs of forced entry, but detectives did recover an unidentified fingerprint from a handrail on the back stairs. But this was pre-DNA testing, so even though they could check fingerprints, they couldn't check DNA in the blood. Um, There were panels taken off the walls because they had blood on them. Um, and then a former FBI agent named Larry Ott recalled that, "quote, the most strange thing for him was that the walls had knife marks in them, like someone had been throwing a knife, trying to stick it in the wall." Ugh. Just all very gruesome, just horrible. So they went through all of Sue's exes because, you know, they look into the husband first. So Jim was the guy she had just left in Connecticut who had apparently also allegedly sexually abused Sheila and Tina, his daughters. Oh, fuck. So but he was on the other side of the country, still in Connecticut. Like there was no way he could have been involved. So uh, they had him off the hook for now. And they're focusing on Tina because they're like, well, most importantly, we need to get her back. So they narrowed in on one of her teachers, a guy named Joel Lipsy,
1: mm. who
0: apparently had a fixation on her. <gasps> yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, he had a picture of her on his desk and at his house that he just like, kept. And like nobody fucking did anything. They were like, oh, he's just kind of creepy. It's like, this is how okay. these things happen. OK. So people around town said he was obsessed with her, but he had an alibi, um, but fun fact, he quickly left town and was later arrested in his new town uh, for molesting a young girl. So, wow, shocker. Okay. Uh, so now they're thinking maybe Tina wasn't the target, even though she's missing. Um, Sheila herself even said she thinks her mom was the intended target, and maybe the kids were just in the way and had witnessed something, and so they were murdered. Right. Um, so a neighbor had reported they had heard a muffled scream around 1.30 a.m., but went back to sleep because they weren't sure where I was coming from. And then, like, one thing you wonder is if the neighbor heard the scream, why are the three boys asleep
1: and didn't hear anything? And not one right, of them woke right, right. up.
0: So it's just a little strange
1: to me. Huh. You know what I mean? I hadn't even, that hadn't even processed. You know there were screaming. Yeah. Which is awful, but. Yeah. And, like, they were being, dra- the bo- knives were being thrown into the wall.
0: Bodies are being dragged around.
1: Like, huh. you'd think
0: so- one of the three would have heard something.
1: So then my theory, did the kids leave at all? The kids were definitely there the whole time? They got home that night.
0: Um, and nothing was amiss when they got home. So it happened after they
1: got home and they weren't drugged to fall asleep or anything.
0: And, oh, and the one, the two kids were five and 10. So they were like home the whole, Oh, sorry. No, the ones who were miss who had been gone, came home and were then murdered. Right. Right. The, the youngest ones, five, 10 and 12 were all asleep the whole time.
1: Yeah. That's weird. Right.
0: I thought so. So now they're focusing on the kids who were alive. Um,
1: so Justin, smart the friend, yes. Maybe the killer like gagged them first, or like threatened them and said, "Like you don't want to wake up your kids because then I'll do something to them." <gasps> good point.
0: So like to they're save like we know them. there's kids in the
1: other room to to mm. save them, made them stay quiet while they were getting tortured. It's a very which good p- I find impossible. I, yeah, that's a very good point. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying no, to think it's, like it's, a it's, like a
0: killer. It's true. My only thought then would be, like, what about, like, the bent knives, like, being
1: thrown in the I feel like so. if you're torturing people to a point where the knives are bending, yeah. like, there's no keeping quiet even if you want to. Yeah. You'd think. I don't know. Anyway, but, yeah, that's a good point. Like,
0: maybe they threaten them into silence. That's true. Um, so now they're talking to the kids, and Justin, the friend who stayed over, says he has something he thinks could help.
1: He Let's hear it, Justin.
0: says he keeps having dreams that mirror the attack. Okay. Aww. So... Now, the sheriff's department decides they're going to learn how to do hypnosis. (laughs) Fuck off. So they go to two different training sessions to learn how to do hypnosis. Couldn't they just bring in a hypnosis? Nope. Uh, Nope. I guess not. hypnotist? Wow. I'm so stupid. Okay. Well, yeah. But so maybe you need a course. Maybe. (laughs) And how to to say the word. (laughs) Um, Okay. So they do hypnosis with Justin. And this is a month after the murder, which, by the way, like they should have fucking really interviewed him whatever it doesn't matter earlier but (laughs) yeah according to sheriff thomas quote under hypnosis he didn't actually say that he had saw anything but described watching the love boat and then in detail talked about a fight and talked about sue and at the end sue was thrown overboard so this makes me wonder if he's like projecting if he had seen something or heard something and he's this memory is playing out as, like, projected onto, like, a TV show like that putting he loved. It, like,
1: framing it in a way that his own brain can yes. process. as,
0: like, a child. Right. That's what I was thinking, especially when he says he keeps having dreams and needs to tell somebody about it. Yeah. Also, Justin was able to indicate body placements, which were very close to being correct, if not fully correct, and descriptions of the attacks, including a yellow blanket that was covering Sue's chest. And remember, he had been pulled out of the window, so he didn't, right. like, see, presumably hadn't seen
1: anything. Um, so he unless knew, maybe he like saw it, saw it and that then night. like it was so traumatic he was like I I need to go to sleep right like <laughs> I'm was just like, gonna this is not real yeah, yeah yeah
0: so uh, he, basically he knew about this yellow blanket which just like how would you know that and how would you know where the bodies were placed
1: this is sometimes how nosy neighbors are
0: important yes <laughs> true maybe we should send our kids to sleepovers in case they need to wit- be witness maybe. to a murder you know yeah, you yeah. never know um, so according to crime and investigation. Quote, under hypnosis, Justin recalled his dream. He described two men in the home. One had a mustache and long hair, while the other had shorter hair and was clean shaven. Justin recalled that one of the men had a pocket knife in his right hand, which he used to cut Sue in the chest. In his dream, the same man had a hammer in the other hand. In another hypnosis session, Justin described Tina waking up and walking into the living room to see what was going on. Oh, no. According to Justin, a man then snatched Tina up in his arms and carried her through the kitchen and out to the back steps. Moments later, the man then returned on his own. So now either the thoughts are he did observe this and had as a defense mechanism his brain had like repressed the memory or shut it out completely or told him
1: like you're dreaming go back to sleep yes exactly and
0: like turned it into like not reality or was he just hearing what everyone was saying about the case and had created kind of like a narrative right because he knew tino was missing he knew that this was probably two men or multiple people i'm
1: gonna go with the first one the
0: first the repressed memory yeah I mean, it makes sense with the blanket and everything. And again, but it was also a month later. So it's like, I'm sure he's heard a lot of rumors. I'm sure he has had to be grappling with this the whole time. So who knows how much of it is like real or how much of it is in his head. Um, So in any case, under hypnosis, he had described the men he had seen as wearing jeans and denim jackets and gold framed sunglasses. So then they created these sketches that police released for identification. I'm going to show you the sketches, actually. Here you go. I have them here. I mean, it's like old timey from the 80s.
1: Oh, okay. So, if if this wasn't like a really serious crime report, they look like cartoons. They
0: do look like cartoons. They look
1: like outlines of The Simpsons.
0: Yes, they do. They look like cartoon characters. So, um, interestingly, Justin's mother saw these and goes, I know who those people are. Oh, fuck off. It's That's the amazing. Simpsons character. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's
1: Ned Flanders. It's
0: Love Boat characters. He's <laughs> really there. Um, no, she said she knows who it is. It's her husband, oh. Martin Smart, who's a Vietnam vet and Justin's stepfather. And the other guy is John Bo Boobaday. So his name is Bo. So Martin and Bo. And Bo is a family friend who was living with them at the time. And they had met at the VA hospital in Reno.
1: Also, shout out to her for like, Uh, like ratting out her husband being like hey I know these (laughs) people they're in my living room right now right
0: so but then part of the question then becomes well wouldn't Justin have been like it was my dad and
1: maybe it was too hard for him to process yeah
0: that's the other thing too we've heard I feel like that's happened with kids where they're like no it wasn't like you know your brain is
1: very powerful again if he's explaining it away as a dream in my head I would be like Oh, and I know it was a dream because, like, I watched my own dad do it. And, like, I know that's not true. Yeah, true. You know?
0: You'd think that would play a part, like, if you saw your stepdad.
1: Maybe also, maybe he didn't pay attention to who the people actually were because mm-hmm. he was paying attention to the bloody, okay, that true. tortured people. And if you, right, you're not, like, assuming
0: your dad would be in the, or your stepdad is, your your brain probably wouldn't even go there. You'd be like, there were these two men. Yeah. Your brain wouldn't be like, I wonder if I know them. Like, yeah, I don't know. And, and also, they were wearing thought, sunglasses at night and like disguises.
1: Oh right, yeah. They could have done like the 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 stockings on the face thing or something. Well, he said he because he drew oh, their he faces. Them.
0: Yeah,
1: huh. It's kind of weird. Also, I wonder. Like, so does that mean maybe he didn't get a good look of at them? Because if he had, then wouldn't his own stepfather, if it were him, go to him later and be like, "You can't tell anyone what you saw." Like, neither. Right. Maybe they didn't see each other.
0: Well, okay. You'll Keep see. Going. You'll see more. Sorry. No, no, no. That's like remember that. Okay. Okay. So uh, Martin and Bo had met while they were in the psych unit at the VA hospital in Reno. Um, so Marilyn, Justin's mom, is like, "That's my husband and his friend." Other locals also saw the sketches and went, "Ah, uh, that looks a lot like Martin and Bo." Um, and apparently, if you put the top half of one face with the bottom half of the other face, they were like really spot on really so part of me thinks maybe he just kind of disassociated with what he had seen and like uh-huh. didn't his brain didn't want to connect it right but here's a picture i'm pretty sure i have a picture here um so this is when the, the faces are like combined Ew. and then here's a picture of martin which again like it's hard to see but he does kind of have that like yeah. skinny face
1: also yeah in a town of literally less than 100 people right. like you better expect everyone knows who Everyone is. Wow. So anyway, Uh, so a lot
0: of people were like, yeah, that looks exactly like them. As, uh, as mentioned earlier, Martin and the Smart family lived nearby. They were the neighbors of cabin 28. And on the night of the homicides, Marilyn, the wife who was like, that's my husband, uh, recalled Martin and Bo had gone to a hotel bar wearing, according to the Plumas News, three piece suits and sunglasses. Now, the description that Justin gave was that they were in jeans and T-shirts, but again, they could have changed, but they right. were wearing sunglasses in his description at night. Again, huh. So that's still weird. They were wearing sunglasses. And then you wonder, why on earth are, we, are they wearing a three-piece suit to the local bar? Right. And people have theorized like maybe- Like, it was an alibi. Mm-hmm. Like, oh,
1: we wouldn't they wear They wanted jeans. to be seen, or that yeah. they wanted
0: to be remembered, that people were like, yeah, we saw them. They were being real weird in their suits.
1: Or like- we we remember them not wearing jeans. Or yeah, we remember them wearing
0: something <laughs> so different from denim that yeah. like you would never believe it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It also would make sense if like that's why maybe there wasn't like a uh I forget what the the phrase is, but like there wasn't like a, a broken entry or anything in the house. Oh, right. Like, if you just saw like, oh my next door neighbor he knows them. The the guy who has whose who's kid is who's here. Whose kid I'm watching. Totally. Maybe he wants to come in and talk to his kid. Totally. It's like that would make sense why there wasn't
0: Yes, why they didn't have to break in. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's a good point. Um, So before going out, apparently, Martin wanted his wife Marilyn to go to Cabin 28 to see if Sue would go to the bar with them because Martin's friend Bo kind of had a crush on her and was like, I want her to join us. Ah. Marilyn was like, Sue's not going to come. She doesn't drink. She's not going to want to go. But her husband, Martin, insisted that Bo wants her to go. So Marilyn went down to ask Sue, and apparently Sue refused. And apparently Martin, and especially Beau, got very upset by this rejection. And um, apparently uh, she had... There was... Allegedly she had said also um, that she was not interested in him. Like, she was kind of, right, like, grossed out or, like, nah, no. Wasn't the vibe. Wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. happening for they her. Weren't,
1: they weren't vibing. They weren't
0: vibing, according to her. So apparently this pissed Bo off and uh, Martin. And so they went to drink. So apparently um, the co-owner of the bar said they left after a few hours when the music changed from country to rock and they were very disappointed. Okay. That's what people remember from that night. Allegedly that night, Marilyn went to bed early while Bo and Martin were still at the bar. She does remember waking up around 2 AM after hearing noises from another room in the house and saw a glimpse of them burning something in the stove Although Martin told her it was just a log. Okay. The day after the homicide, Martin spontaneously drove to Reno um, around 5 or 6 p.m., allegedly, quote, high on something, according to his friend Glenna Meeks. And he kept saying, I got to go to Ketty, I got to go to Ketty. To which Glenna responded, Marty, you don't need to go to Ketty. Someone is out there killing people. By this point, Martin was walking up and down the room saying, but I need to go. There's something I started that has to be finished. Yeah. So at around 9 p.m., Glenna finally persuaded him like, you're not driving back there. Sleep here. And he stayed there until 4 a.m. and went back home. So he Mm. basically left town, had like a meltdown and then drove back the next morning strange so the police conducted a thorough search of the smart residence. they found um plenty of knives but marty was a chef so it wasn't like weird that he would own a steak knife right um apparently one of the knives was missing but again that doesn't prove anything but it's right. still a sign they also found duct tape a hangman's noose and hustler magazine <laughs> which again doesn't really prove anything but interesting uh they then searched a shack nearby where the kids sometimes played Like an abandoned shack. Um, Okay. Fun. Uh, Marilyn joined the search and noticed some floorboards had been torn up that weren't torn up before. And she asked the kids if they had done it, and they said they didn't do it. So somebody had torn up these floorboards, and it wasn't the kids. Uh, The police then interviewed both Marty and Bo in great detail, the sheriff claims, but he interviewed them at the same time.
1: Like you don't
0: do that because you keep everyone separate. Yes, because then they can fucking like play off each other right. and create their own story. You need to separate people who are suspects <sighs> right, to right. make sure they you hmm. know. Okay. So anyway, the sheriff is like, Oh no, we interviewed them in great detail. He was convinced they weren't involved is sure. what the sheriff
1: says. Uh-huh. The guy who also wasn't listening to the child saying mm-hmm. there's a missing kid. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And okay. who interviewed him in his patrol car. The guy who also tried to become a hypnotist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not tried to become. He did he become. He did. You he know got what? Love boat. on that. Story, a new script out of that. He got a Love Boat <laughs> screenplay out of that. <laughs> he got a spec real good. A spec script out of that hypnosis session. Um, so around two days after the homicides, Justin, the, the friend, and his brother were playing on the floor, and Marilyn overheard Justin saying... No, Casey, you have to do it this way. She Uh glanced in and saw that Justin was instructing Casey on how to fake stab him with Justin then defending himself from the stabbing action. Justin went on to say, I have to protect Sue. I have to protect Sue. Oh, no. Yeah. And he's 12. And so at this point. Martin, his stepdad, saw what was going on, grabbed Justin, and yelled, you will never talk about this again, ever. Uh-huh.
1: Okay, so guilty. So back to the stepdad S- guilty. <laughs> knowing that the
0: kid knows something. Yeah. And interesting that the kid wasn't touched. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. There's a reason they left the kid's bee in the other room. Right. So Martin then uh, took Justin outside. But Marilyn doesn't know what he said or what was done. But um, before this incident, Justin was able to describe the crime scene so clearly as if he had walked in there after the fact or as if, quote, he could have been standing in the hall next to the doorway and seen it all. Uh So there was a spot, too, where he could have been standing and like they wouldn't have necessarily noticed he was there. Um, So after Martin had threatened Justin, he seemed to have forgotten everything, never brought it up again. So this is just bad bad news bears. Um, And this was despite the fact that the police had taken Justin's tennis shoes and reported there was evidence that he had walked through the crime scene in those shoes. Really? Yeah. And he just was like suddenly forgot everything. Weird. Yeah. Um, Police nowadays say they have no clue what happened to those tennis shoes and Sheriff Thomas, quote, did not recall anything about Justin's shoes. Okay, so
1: this guy's also getting paid off, right? Something's
0: up with this guy. Like, he's sketch. He apparently retired shortly after the murders. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, did he? I oh, bet that was a he? fun retirement party. Kel surprise. Kel So no shock here. The case went unsolved. So the Plumas County Sheriff's Office did not investigate the full potential, obviously. Um, either Sheriff Thomas uh, didn't want to, had something to hide perhaps, or was getting paid off or was involved. Like we don't know, but something fishy happened. Uh, Years later, the sheriff's office admitted that some of the DNA evidence was never analyzed. Uh, Justin believes he saw something on the night of the homicide or something of the aftermath, but can't remember it. Um, Then, this is worth, remember Tina? Who could forget? Oh, wait, the cop. Oh, wait, (laughs) the literal sheriff of the (laughs) town. Good point. Three years to the day of the homicide, police got an anonymous tip from a caller saying they knew where Tina was. Oh, God. They followed this tip and they did find Tina's remains. They found a skull. Yeah. In a remote Ooh, location wow. known as Feather Falls, approximately 50 miles from the Ketty Resort um, in a Boy Scouts camp. The call was not investigated, was not documented properly, um, but it directly led them to her remains. Um, unfortunately, there was too little of her body left for investigators to determine what happened to her Excuse me, but according to all that's interesting, uh, near the remains, detectives found a child's blanket, a blue nylon jacket, a pair of jeans with a missing back pocket, and an empty surgical tape dispenser.
1: Oh. <sighs> so creepy.
0: Uh, so they used dental records. It was identified as Tina. Wow. Um, according to the medical examiner, Tina had died sometime after November first, 1981, which was six months after the Ketty murders.
1: Oh. Yeah,
0: so either she was being held yeah. or who knows what. Um. When Sheila, that was really sad too. She was interviewed in like this People um, People Magazine documentary I watched. And she was like, they told me they found Tina. And I was like, oh, when can I see her? And they were like, <sighs> and I'm like, you have to find a better way to phrase that. Yeah. Sorry. Like, oh, we found.
1: <laughs> so Yikes. she was like so
0: excited. And her yeah. little sister was found. And then like. Yeah, so apparently Sheila went to go visit her family's graves in the late '80s and saw that Tina only had a little tin plaque. So in 2002, she was able to afford a headstone for Tina and gave her like a full memorial service and everything. Wow. Um, In 2004, the Plumas County Sheriff's Office agreed to show Sheila a timeline of her family's murders, but refused to answer any questions about Martin Smart. But here's what we do know. So we found out later that Marilyn's daughter Lori, who was living with her for a while, who's uh, Martin's her stepdad as well, so I guess Justin's sister Lori um, confessed that after the events, she was terrified of her stepdad Martin and went back to Oregon to live with her stepmother. Mm. A week after Lori leaving, Martin called the cops and said that Lori had run away, but then he later confessed that he had put Lori on the bus and sent her away. What? I don't know. Okay. Apparently, he wanted her out of there. So who knows okay. what she knew sure. or whatever. Right. Um, According to Marilyn, the night after the murders, Lori also received a call from an unknown number telling her she could be next if she didn't keep her mouth shut. Yeah. So she didn't even know about the homicides yet at that point when she got this call. And she's like, what? Um, So she was terrified. She didn't know who it was. You'd think if it were her stepdad, she would have recognized the voice. But maybe it was a friend who would like covered up his voice a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, Then, according to Lori, on the Monday after the homicides, she was called to the principal's office where they said there was a family emergency. And on the phone, her stepdad, Martin, said Justin, her brother, had witnessed the murder of five people, which is odd because there was a murder of three Three people people. and one was missing. So it
1: was just like. So maybe he witnessed Tina or maybe the plan or
0: something was. Uh,
1: Yeah, maybe Tina. I mean, he witnessed clearly according to her being taken. He saw her being taken out. It's true. I don't know who the fifth person yeah, would be. I don't either. Oh, God.
0: So that was just odd, too, because, like, it's just a very specific number. Um, months later, Martin went to jail for a different crime, and Marilyn literally never saw him again. Um, while Does inca- Marilyn
1: say that it's probably him? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: While incarcerated, Martin reportedly got into an—it sounds like everyone was scared of him, too. Yeah. You know? While well incarcerated, Martin reportedly got into an argument with another inmate named Meeks and yelled, you know I got her Meeks and I'm going to get you in the same way. Ooh. So not a good sign. In 97, the Pluma, Plumas County Sheriff's Office told Sheila that Martin Sch- Smart was dead, although he had wouldn't die for three more years. What? So like, What's sh- going on with this police department? This sheriff department is effed up. I don't know what is going <laughs> on, but apparently he was literally remarried and living in Portland, Oregon, and they called her and told her he was dead. What? it's just really strange okay um the only thing she ever heard from martin again was a postcard she received saying "Bo is dead marty but Bo literally was still alive and ha- right. didn- wouldn't die for seven more years either and he lived in holiday florida so like they both went to like opposite side of the country and then tried to tell Marilyn that the other one was dead That's sounds so like. weird so that maybe she would drop it i don't know weird um, so, in 2013, the case was reopened by the current sheriff, whose name is Greg Hagwood, and an investigator named Mike Gamberg, who both knew uh, John and Dana, the kids, because uh-huh. they were the same age when they were murdered. Right. Um, which also goes to show, like, how long this has taken that, like, now right. they're sheriff in the town Whew. and, like, they're close – or their friend or acquaintances, they finally want to solve this murder. Um. He said the c- case continued to haunt him because he was now in charge of the evidence that had been left ignored or deli- deliberately buried by law enforcement for three decades. Um, Sheila says, for what it's worth, she's relieved finally somebody cares and has taken over the case. Um, Gamberg has re-interviewed, inter- excuse me, geez, re-interviewed anyone still related, related to the case, um, although Martin and Bo by now are dead. But, like, they can still be charged posthumously Great. or, like, at least... You know, solved. Um, cabin twenty-eight was demolished in two thousand four. And actually in the BuzzFeed Unsolved, um, they did an episode on this, and they went to the site in the woods. Oh wow. And it was so creepy. They were like walking through the rub, like the rubble Ugh. of it. Ugh, it's really creepy. Um, so Gamberg organized boxes from the case reports and noticed that like certain evidence had been put to the side, including one, a letter from Martin to his wife, Marilyn sent shortly after the murders and it this is literally what his fucking letter from Martin to Marilyn says I've paid the price for your love and now that I've bought it with four people's lives you <gasps> tell me we are through great what else do you want
1: oh my god okay well there you
0: go which begs the question was Marilyn also involved and she didn't she didn't partake at the end or Yeah, didn't she didn't want to like didn't deliver didn't want to implicate her Whew. husband or I don't know She claims she doesn't remember the letter, but she does recognize that it's Martin's handwriting. So it is confirmed to be a letter from him to her. Wow. She doesn't remember it, which is like that seems like something you'd remember. But Gamberg also found the anonymous phone call um, and they had never been analyzed that told them where Tina was. And um, Greg Hagwood commented why that sat in a sealed evidence envelope never opened. I don't have the answer to that, but we have it now. Uh, years after the homicide, Marilyn came forward with a jacket she had found in their basement that had blood on it, um, thinking maybe it w- belonged to Tina. Uh, but Sheriff Thomas dismissed it, and it vanished. And he claimed he never remembered getting it. Uh-huh. So, okay, shady. Uh, Gamberg spoke to so Martin, the v, he you know he was part of the VA hospital in Reno. He had a counselor there, and Martin's counselor said in his seventh appointment just weeks after the Ketty murders, he confessed to the murder. But, like, don't you have to tell if someone confesses they murdered someone? Yeah. Like, don't, isn't that I'm a rule? pretty sure. Like, isn't that, like, this is no longer patient confidentiality here? Like, uh-huh. you murdered somebody? Um, so according to the counselor in May of 1981, Martin said, quote, I killed the woman and her daughter, but I didn't have anything to do with the boys. The counselor passed. The, oh, OK. Sorry. The counselor passed this information onto the police at the time and was surprised investigators hadn't used this confession against Martin.
1: I'm somehow not surprised. Yeah.
0: So I forgot that piece was even there. Um, the uh, oh, that's right. The agents the counselor had met with dismissed the confession as, quote, hearsay. What? that's not how this works. That's not how it works. Someone had found a claw hammer using a metal detector also near a pond um, near the cabin, which matched the description. But when he found it, uh, he didn't know what it was. So he just threw it into the lake. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he was watching. He was on a website later and like was reading about the case and was like, oh, shit, I found that hammer and called police. (sighs) Fuck. And they went and got it out of the lake. Um, And they tested it uh, for blood as an additional murder weapon. But still to this day, nobody's been charged. The case still remains cold, but there are six people of interest still alive, which just means they might know something. Um, So according to Sheriff Hagwood, quote, there are people locally who know more than they've said, and I believe we've identified some of them and we know who they are and we know where they are. And I have every confidence that they either participated after the fact or they have firsthand information. It's a theory we are working that Martin and Bo are involved to the degree possible to conclude or dismiss. There's a disproportionate amount of evidence and information that points in their direction. Right. So, yeah. To say,
1: like, oh, we have a hunch. Like, whatever. Like, they did it.
0: They literally... They
1: did it. They did it.
0: I mean, he wrote in a letter, I killed four people. What more do you want from me? No, no, no. That's your say. Right. That's right. We all forgot about that letter. (laughs) Right. That love letter.
1: Also, a lot of evidence just vanished after the sheriff already
0: saw it. That bloody jacket just... Nobody remembers it. Oh, my gosh. In 1987, Sheriff Doug Thomas, fucking, you know, Sheriff Thomas, his uh, uh, his deputy, Lieutenant Don Stoy, recalled to the Sacramento, Sacramento Bee, the strangest thing is that there is no apparent motive. Any case without an apparent motive is the toughest to solve. So they really just acted like they had no fucking clue what was going on. But, like, yeah,
1: okay, yes, that's what I was going to say. Sorry.
0: So, but they're like, okay, well, what – So now we're thinking, well, what is the motive? Because if they did it, but like why?
1: I don't think you need one at this point. You don't need one. Like clearly, it's going to take another thirty years for you to find the motive. Just, just. Well, I have some. I
0: have some theories, and I'm going to see what you think. So, many believe that obviously Martin and Bo were guilty, including Marilyn, who says um, Bo once said to her, "It would not have bothered him to kill a child or abroad."
1: Well, that's a red flag.
0: Yeah, this theory would also explain why the three boys, which included Justin, were spared. Uh huh. Even though there was blood found on the doorknob, so somebody either opened the door and looked in to see them. Someone knew they were there and didn't kill them, which leads people to believe it was them. Um, some people think they were part of quote a big dope deal, and someone was at the wrong place. Um, apparently, Keddie had like kind of a reputation connected to the Chicago crime syndicate. Um. And some believe Bo was actually involved with the federal government as a police informant, and the Department of Justice covered up the crime to protect their asset. And reportedly, uh, Department of Justice special agents flew over in a helicopter right after the murder, and they were like, and the FBI got involved, as we know. So some people think there's a conspiracy here that, like, the government covered it up because Bo was involved with them on some okay. sort of like sting operation. Or that's, I think, a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch. It's fully okay. a stretch um, because also like, why is he murdering people? That's like,
1: that's like a, like a, oh, big stretch. Kind yeah. It's of not like, like the department just like, <laughs> shit, he killed a kid.
0: Let's just yeah. not tell anybody. Yeah. I, it's just weird. Um, In another train of thought, according to Martin's counselor, Marilyn Smart said she had wanted a divorce the day of the murder.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and Marilyn had apparently sought advice from Sue weeks before Because Martin Uh was abusive and cheating on her and uh, Sue had said, you need to leave him. Right. So So it it was her fault. That's her fault. Yeah. So when Martin discovered Marilyn had gone to Sue, Sue became quote responsible for Marilyn wanting a divorce. And um, especially if they were drinking and who knows what, and some people believe Martin was having an affair with Sue and Sue was counseling Marilyn to leave Martin. And so Martin took her out of the picture. Um, But, There's also a theory that Tina was the target, like with that creepy teacher, maybe something was involved with the teacher. Who
1: could forget? Who could forget? Everyone, the (laughs) sheriff.
0: (laughs) But more than likely, it was part of a a cover-up with Keddie. According to Martin Smart's counselor, Martin told him he and Sheriff Thomas were good friends. Mm. Um, It's even been suggested they may have been involved in nefarious activities together. Um, Sheriff Thomas used to live in Cabin 28 and even let Martin live with him for a while when he and Marilyn, so maybe he had a key, who knows. Um, oh. that just occurred to me, but perhaps, um, when he and Marilyn were having marital problems, apparently he doesn't only do hypnosis. He also gave them marriage counseling, the sheriff, uh, at one point. So okay. uh, anyway, end of story. The, uh, Ketty murder still remain unsolved. Um, it's Sheriff, Sheriff Hagwood's belief that there were more than two people who were involved in the totality of the crime, including the disposal of the evidence and the abduction of the little girl. Quote, we're convinced that there are a handful of people that fit those roles who are still alive. So it remains unsolved, but investigators um, hold on to hope that Sheila, Ricky, Greg, the Sharp family, and the investigators will find justice. So anyone oh. who has any information, on the Ketty Murders is at including a counselor who works at the VA hospital, I guess, is asked to call the Keddy Murders hotline at 283630. Wait, sick, that's not a number. It's not a phone
1: number. 123.
0: <laughs> <laughs> two okay, it says two eight three zero three six oh with no area code apparently. Just sure. Just go to Ketty Caton Murder Hotline on google just talk to the
1: sheriff you'll find just them. ask
0: jeeves about it and yeah. they'll tell you where to go anyway end of story ask sheriff jeeves well that was long he doesn't remember anything though so no
1: i that was good that was i was a long one but it was uh shit. i knew there was gonna be a lot of
0: moving you really followed it very well so thank you for uh helping me tell that with all the
1: moving pieces and listen thank people. god for justin if it weren't for justin, justin we really. would have not had a that poor kid though well yeah yeah
0: just that like playing happened. out like here no stab me
1: here like <sighs> i hope he's had a lot of therapy and been given a lot of hugs I Hope he's Since. been had led a fulfilling <clears throat> fulfilled life. life i hope it he's led with uh love and light and yes. everything i hope everything sparks joy for justin
0: okay <laughs> okay anyway thank you for watching and listening to us talk for watching a long time.
1: listening experiencing in 3d oh <laughs> omni surround sound oh my God. are Dolby we on someone's di- surround Dolby sound <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay, let's hang up
0: i have to be let's
1: hang <laughs> up let's let's uh okay yeah let's close the, what's wrong with me close the door you
0: go okay thanks everyone for listening and <laughs> and
1: and no and oh right stupid me that's why we drink apparently <laughs>